Hey, what's up, Biggs? No, that's not how we start. Hey, Biggs! Hey, Enzo. <laughs> I got a question for you. Do you think when... Okay, you, you, you know who Gwen Stefani is, right? I do. You know the song, uh, Hollaback Girl? Yes. Now, honest opinion. Honest opinion. Honest thought, honest whatever. Do you think the number is more than one? Now, keep that in mind. Do you think that number is more than one? That at some point in her life, she has gone to the bathroom, stood up and said, uh-huh, this my shit in her head. Like, do, do, you, wow. do, you, do, you, do you think there's a chance that, that she's going, uh-huh, this my shit, and then flushed? I would love to see the influences that you encountered throughout your day that allowed you to come up with that. I work with school children. You know who else is this shit? Who? Quit the bell! <laughs> Quit the bell! <laughs> Quit the bell is the amazing podcast network that brings you such amazing podcasts such as the Quit the Bell podcast, One Minute, One Decision, and the Double DQ podcast. They have a Facebook page. You go there and leave them. Don't, you know what? Just don't tell them about this in case they didn't hear it. They're going to hear it. Don't tell them about this. Uh, you can go to the merchandise store on quitthebill.com and check out all their cool stuff. They've got a constant revolving door of awesome things for you to check out. We love you guys. Hopefully, uh, I censor all of this properly so we can keep it in the PG-13 realm. <laughs> and uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop talking and play the music. Absolutely nothing has happened in wrestling to talk about. Nothing. There's <laughs> literally the hour. <laughs> there's literally nothing to talk about. You're right, nothing. Nothing's happened in the last 15, 20 minutes. So with that being said, let's uh let's read an email. <laughs> we got, hey, did you know that we got an email? We got an email. I don't have an email song still. So uh I'm going to, um, da, 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 Biggs is usually right about predictions, but I silently hate him. The emails are here. Okay. <laughs> Hopefully he'll say I was right. Or she'll say I was right. This comes from, uh, uh, they will say I was right. This comes in from Todd. Todd said, and, and we're starting with emails because I'm excited. Guys, if you want to send in an email, you write to double dq podcast at gmail.com that's double dq podcast at gmail.com until we get consistent flow of emails i shall not make an email song and i will continue to make one up on the fly which may be <laughs> which which may be i don't know some people might enjoy that some people might not enjoy that i would like consistency damn it uh todd says i heard you both say that mjf is the best heel in the business what makes a good heel to you and what, well, I don't know why I'm reading it like that. What makes a good heel to you? <laughs> and who do you think is the best heel of all time? You want to answer that first? No, because I've been rude and talked way too much. It's your turn. <laughs> all right. How you so what was the first question? <laughs> um, I heard you both say that MJF is the best heel in the business, which is 
which is mo- modern day. Yes, absolutely. I, I agree with Agreed. that. I agree mm-hmm. with us. I agree with me. I agree with you. <laughs> um, what makes a good heel to you? And let's start with that. What makes a good heel to you? Well, I, I think there's three different heels. You have the the psychological heel, you know, like the Jake the Snake Roberts types. Um, the, you have the, the the talent heel guys who just you know they're natural heels. Roddy Piper. Um, then you have the 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 booked heels, which are usually the monster heels. Um, and for each one, you have to have a great you know understanding of psychology. Um, unless you're the monster heel, you can be a big a big guy, and if they book you correctly, you'll be a heel. Make you a scary guy, hard to beat, and you just perform like a heel. Now, the second question where they ask who I think the greatest heel of all time is, yeah. I, I thought there was a consensus that it's Vince McMahon. Oh, I didn't think you'd go that route. <clears throat> Like, Come on, I, but I I wouldn't consider Vince McMahon a consistent wrestler though. He's just a character. I mean, he think of the span in which he was like the top heel in the business. Who else did it that long like that? I th- for, thought for sure you were going to say Ric Flair. Ric Flair is great. Ric Flair is a for a long time he was a heel. Then the era of the anti-hero came. And Ric Flair, even when he was supposed to be the most hated guy in wrestling, when he came out and said, whoa, 60% of the crowd did it with him. (laughs) You know what I mean? So he was just entertaining. He was supposed to be a heel, yes. But, you know, Vince McMahon McMahon made you really actually not like him. (laughs) I mean, you know, um, he he takes down stone cold who he was scared had the craps he he was terrified of him but then stone cold is held down in the corner and he's in his face like well i hate people like that (laughs) (laughs) he's screaming in his face i don't know i I thought vince mcmahon was the greatest heel of all time there's been a lot of good ones but i mean it's easy for him he's you know he's the guy running the show but he did a good job of it all right. You know what? And he's a heel in real life, too. Uh, <laughs> okay. What makes a good heel for me? What makes a good heel for me is someone who can be so hated they're cheered. Like, there, there's something being so bad that you're likable is something that I, I, I truly uh, think think in the modern era. I won't say for all, always, but in the modern era, like, there, there's something really appealing about that. I wouldn't say that so much existed in the past. It, like heels were heels, faces were faces, you know, baby faces, or whatever. Like there was there was a distinction, but it was very much by design. Now, because you can sell so much merchandise and you can you can you can market that in so many ways, you almost kind of want your heels to be liked in an odd way. Um, I think that the the before wrestling ability, before your ability to perform in the ring, and now granted that still has to be good. Your promos need to be better than anything else, which is the reason in my mind why MJF MJF is a great example just because he has a style in the ring that will he will stay safe, uninjured, most probably, you know, granted, there's always the chance and mm. he will be uh, protected yeah, like due to his style. For years and years and years to come, you know, they say like, I'm going to go to the wheels fall off. 
I don't think his wheels are going to fall off. I think he's going to stop as long as he keeps the same style. I think he stops when he wants to stop because he has a safer middling ground, old school, new school style. And, and you are here for it. Like we're all here for it because of his amazing ability to cut a promo. So what makes a good heel is someone who can work with a baby face who can work with another heel and just chop them down at their, like at their feet and just, just go at their knees and go at the hips and just, just take them out completely because they're just that good on the mic. It doesn't matter who they're standing across from. Now, the second part of this, what I think, who do I think is the best heel of all time? I, I, I have a cop-out answer in a way, but, mm. but I have a reason for it. So the cop-out answer is, I was thinking in my head, when, uh, like eras, like, like who had, who was the best heel at one point that was more heel than anybody at all ever. And I, and, 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 and it didn't last. It wasn't a sustained thing. It didn't last forever. That person was not a career heel, but I cannot think of a better example of dirty, rotten, despicable heel for however long it lasted than when Hogan turned NWO Hogan. And I mean, it was volatile the way that went down. And it just, it, it literally, his heel turn changed the organization forever. It changed wrestling forever. Vince McMahon's character did too. I'm not going to lie. Now, that is that is a heel encapsulated in that time frame. But for me personally, the reason I said I thought you were going to say Ric Flair is because dirtiest player in the game, I would say of all time heels, uh, 100% for me, Ric Flair. But as far as the height that it reached, Nobody in my mind reached heel hate status more than Hogan at that point in wrestling history. Now I'm not, you know, it's your opinion. So I'm not arguing with it, but at the same time, man, it's a lot of NWO shirts. <laughs> oh yeah. No, no doubt. I mean, again, but that's, but I mean, I guess that is the newer era, you know, it is back the newer when era. They that wanted- was the beginning of the newer era. That was literally the beginning of the new era. Because don't forget, Stone Cold Steve Austin was the answer to the NWO. Like, the NWO was the first thing that I can think of that they really kicked off and said, oh, these guys are so bad, they're cool. So let's do that, run that ship all the way into the ground. And then they Wait, sold Stone Cold so wasn't much merch. first. I'm pretty sure, oh man, I'm going to look stupid if this isn't true. I'm no, no, I was just thinking like, you know, because I remember, you know, when he first ditched the ringmaster gimmick. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, We're at the King of the Ring and he did the Austin 316 promo. When was that? It was like, that was so good. People liked it. And then it, he was a heel. He was doing dirty tricks and, you know, jumping people yeah. from behind and hitting people with stuff. And right, so- everyone liked him. And he did that double turn with Bret Hart. And I think that's when he became the anti-hero, where he had scruples. He had a code. He yeah. didn't trust anybody. He relied on himself. And he let you know that coming in. But he didn't want any shortcuts. And everybody admired that. He was like the blue-collar wrestler. You well, know, don't forget so. the Austin 316 promo was an accident. Not, I mean, not an accident. He he meant to say what he was going to say, but the, but but 
it was off the cuff. That wasn't like there wasn't a there wasn't writers in the back saying this is what oh, we're gonna yeah. do. That's this how it was what... back then. He, he didn't th- know it was gonna be like that. He didn't know it was gonna take off. And it was a direct response to Jake Roberts because he had came back as someone who turned his life around and he had found religion. So it was it was just, you know, good mic work. You know, that was part of what you had to bring to the game back then. If you, you could be a phenomenal wrestler, but if okay, you weren't so- yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So you could be a phenomenal wrestler, but what? I mean, it cut out. I didn't oh, hear I was going to say that you could be a phenomenal wrestler, but you had to be good on the stick or have a manager that was good on the stick that had time to build you up. True. You know, because back in the day, uh, you know, you had the monster heel thing. Like I always think of The Undertaker um, when he was fresh in WW, in the WWF at the time. When he came to the ring, like the whole place was quiet. Like people were actually scared. <laughs> like, like right. oh my gosh, look at this guy. And I and I thought that was amazing. Hulk Hogan used that to death. He always brought in, you know, when he first came in WWF, he brought in um the guy that slapped um Stossel. He brought him in and he always wanted to fight a monster, King Kong Bundy, Andre the Giant. Uh, when he came to WCW, he found Paul White, brought him, and he always wanted to fight a monster. And um, monster heels were used to create white meat baby faces, you know, the insurmountable odds that they had to fight against and they could overcome. But that's real old school. That doesn't work really now. It could work once or twice. But, you know, those were different times where you brought this monster in. He went on a a run where he destroyed everyone. He goes against the, the, the big baby face, the top guy. That person beats him. And then they slide down the card a little bit, then go to another territory and then come back a few years later and start over again. Right. You know, those that's those days are over. Yeah. Can't do that really anymore. <laughs> you know, it would well, it would go ahead. Oh, I, w- I was just going to say that uh, I, I've been looking it up while we've been talking and it looks like Hogan turned heel at Bash at the Beach 1996. It was July 7th. Mm-hmm. And then. And then uh, before that, though, June 23rd, 1996 is when Stone Cold Steve also won King of the Ring. However, I somehow remember, like, well, Steve Austin definitely was the reason why it swung back that way. But I'm trying to remember what Steve Austin did immediately following King of the Ring. He had the bout. He became, like, that was a popular promo. But when... He went against Brett, and they had the double turn. Mm-hmm. They Blood gave him stone. they gave him face qualities, courage, heart. He wouldn't give up. He's bleeding out. Wouldn't submit. Didn't want help getting up. He was just like a tough guy. And I I never drew that distinction with NWO and Stone Cold as an antihero. I always thought that was The Rock. So March twenty third, nineteen ninety seven, which really does line up pretty good with when that started to turn so it was almost a year later when steve austin and bret hart did the double turn to when they started to finally gain back some ground against wcw at that time you know and um that's wild it's sometimes i forget that that stuff happened around the same time because whenever I think of W or NWO, I think of DX and I line those times up, but that I can't remember when DX formed. 
that I just know that. I mean, that I agree room. with you. Like Hogan's heel turn was wild. It was. And I mentioned the NWO t-shirts, but they weren't for Hogan. It was for Hall and Nash. Hall and Nash were cool. They said cool stuff on the microphone. Hulk Hogan was the guy, you know, Lex Luger's already down. He jumps on him, starts choking him, walks around with the belt on, spray painting, jumping in the camera, <laughs> you know, so he wasn't likable. So um, what you say lines up. Hall and Nash are likable. They got on the microphone. They were cool. They said funny stuff. And they, and Hall was the first one to slide in the ring. I mean, you had Vincent would slide in and get stomped, but, you know, they were about action. So I, I think it lines up. Hogan's turn was a big deal, even though Bobby Heenan ruined it. You know what else is a big deal? What? Fighting another human being in a backstage brawl after an AEW pay-per-view. Hey, that's look, it's a fight. <laughs> so obviously we were we were pulling your all's legs a little bit. Uh you, there you know there was stuff going on in wrestling. You didn't need us to tell you. Uh we, we I don't want to run it down your all's throats. I don't want to like rehash the same old, same old, same old. You know what happened. You know what punk said. You know you're not getting your news from us right now with this. That's just not how it is. You you know all of that stuff. I will say though, I do have an update as of right now. I mean, it was about as of four hours ago. You guys, obviously, if you listen to the show, you know that we record this right before Dynamite. It is thirty minutes before Dynamite. It's Wednesday, or uh, uh, September the fourteenth, two thousand twenty-two. Um, Brian Alvarez has reported that uh, Brandon Cutler is off suspension, and I think that some other people were also called today, and they are also off suspension right now. To the best of my knowledge. There may be uh, phone calls being made. Uh, this is worded crappily. And there may be phone calls being made right now. For all I know, I believe that if you are involved in breaking it up, you are off suspension. So my question is, will that include Kenny Omega? Because we don't technically know what happened, but we do know from all the reports, all the sides can agree on a couple things. One, a steal through a chair, knocks, knocked one of the bucks out and bit Kenny Omega. And two, Kenny's priority was to <laughs> Kenny's priority was to to scoop up Larry the dog to protect Larry <laughs> and then a steel bit him. Hey. <laughs> so hey, it's like a bar fight. You know, you you get in the area, you get attacked. But um, so Pat Buck is clear too, then. I would I would assume unless somebody internally knows of something that you know obviously we, we wouldn't know. Uh the here's the thing. The, the only things I've heard is the Bucks went in. I heard that it was a figure of speech that when they say kick down the door, the Bucks came in. I cannot remember her name, so forgive me, but they came in with the head of legal. The, the the lady I forget her name she came she came in with them why would they bring her and then kick the door down it doesn't make any sense you you I would think you wouldn't do that with the head of legal there and you brought I mean, them you're an EVP you can That's, do what you yeah. want you know what maybe maybe not but I know that for all accounts and purposes uh the Bucks uh sorry uh, uh Punk threw the first punches um a steel through a chair a still bit somebody. But as far as I can uh, hear, I haven't heard the Bucks say hit or, or or attacked anyone, and I've also not heard that uh, Kenny Omega did anything other than trying to um, adopt a new puppy. 
So well, I heard it, Punk punched one of them in the back. <laughs> well, he was probably aiming from their for their face, but you saw his UFC career. Or <laughs> we're gonna find out that this is a work. <laughs> it makes the it, it's definitely not. It makes the company look absolutely atrocious. And they've taken the Bucks and Omega off of the promo for full gear coming up uh in uh was it a month or two? I don't know. I forget when it is. But they took him off the, for the promo. Remember what I just said. We'll see. It's not a work, and you're being a troll. <laughs> just, all right. Just, I was like, he punched him in the back? Oh, you know what? <laughs> Pat Buck, who was suspended in the the brawl out situation, is that what we're calling it? We should call it, we should call it uh, I guess, Brawlgate. <laughs> the brawl, brawl out situation is at AEW Dynamite today. We have details on that and some other uh, coaches slash agents suspended on fight will select in minutes. Okay. So yes, it looks like, it looks like Pat Buck is, is um, on the clear. Well, he's back. I know I, I read earlier that Kimmy Omega was in Japan, so we shouldn't see him tonight, even if he were off. But I, I, I was a little confused at first when people who attempted to break it up got suspended. <laughs> I think that's precautionary and in all honesty, it's, it's, it's one of those things of like Tony Khan wasn't there. Nobody was being 100%. Like nobody's going to ever say like a hundred percent of the story. Every side is going to have their own side. That's how it is. That's how sides work. That's why it's biased thing. Um, that's why opinions are biased. So I, I, I think that they just needed to sort through it and then get there. Uh, and, I understand and as long as the suspension doesn't come with any kind of hit to my compensation, I'm like, I tried to save you from your own officers. <laughs> your EVPs got in the brawl. <laughs> I got a question for you. Do you think Punk's done? Do you uh, think he comes back? I mean, he's, I've torn my tricep. It was horrible. That's not, not a, what I mean. That's not what I mean. I don't mean the injury. I mean the fact that they, the locker room legitimately hates him. Nah. You don't I think, think so? he likes that. I think he likes it, but at the same time, I also think that Tony Khan needs to look at that and, and take a real examination of it and say, is it worth it? Is it worth pissing everyone off and having worse situations throughout our, our, our working careers with whatever talent that's in the back uh, over one person who is entitled? And your biggest draw. <laughs> yeah, but MJF's not too far behind him. I mean, he's really not too far behind him. Are, are you you basing that on your perception or actual metrics? Actual met metrics and numbers. Like back when Punk had just come back and and the program was was you know like it, they were working into the Punk uh, MJF program and all the Wardlow stuff and whatever. MJF was the second highest draw. Now, granted, there was some space there. Of course, there was. We're talking about CM Punk. We're talking about his first year back in wrestling after seven years. There's going to be a gap. But MJF is the second biggest draw in AEW. And uh, I, I just, the more they lean on it, the better they are with that storytelling. And the more they let MJF just be a loose cannon, I think it'll continue to grow. And if he does come back, they will make buku bucks because what better story than MJF being the champion to a returning CM Punk and then beating CM Punk, you know? Come on, that sounds great. That's good stuff. Yeah, I mean, that'd be great, but that loose cannon thing can't be all the time, or it won't matter. It'll be You're just right. like everything else. If yeah. you do this all the time, 
then it, it no longer matters. So you got to be sparingly. I think he's smart enough not to, you know, keep it up too much. Yeah, I was he's, thinking about that and what what you just said. And the only person I can think of off the top of my head who was 24-7 a loose cannon and got away with it was Roddy Piper. Yeah, I mean, it, that was a different time. <laughs> yeah, well, And also... Um, when you say all the time, you remember, you didn't see Piper all the time. You know, wrestling, there wasn't as much exposure to wrestling as there is now. Sure. You didn't see him all the time. Sure. How many or times you have you seen tired MJF? How many times have you seen MJF in the past six months? Well, that's in the past six months. But, you know, Piper <laughs> never was on a weekly television show when he was big. <laughs> you know, I mean, it wasn't like that. So that, that's the way it was most of the wrestlers. The guys at the top, you didn't see him that often. So when you yeah. saw him, it was a big deal. That's yeah. one of the things that, you know, um, changed in the, in the 90s when we got rid of enhancement talent and it was always superstar versus superstar. You started to see people more often, so it became less of a big deal to see him, except for the really top guys. But then they didn't want you to see him rest, wrestle all the time, so it became they would pop up and run their mouth in the microphone for 10 minutes and then go away again. And I didn't like that, but right. um, I think they'll be smart. Everyone knows, you know, the, the less you see them, the more valuable it is when they make an appearance. So because of all of this mess, we have a situation where MJF is the uh, uh, casino ladder match winner with the chip, cash it in, you know, and get a shot. Not, money in the bank style obviously but a scheduled title match when he wants or when it makes sense so tony khan did the right thing finally there was not an interim they couldn't have done an interim because with the suspensions with punk being out uh six eight nine ten months whatever it is probably eight eight months to a year sounds about right uh we have a situation to where they they didn't do they did (laughs) tony loves his tournaments we didn't do an interim title but we were actually doing a tournament for the AEW World Heavyweight Championship. We uh, obviously had our first round matches last week, which I'm very, very, very confused that they did not have Darby go over Sammy Guevara on on um, Rampage. I really thought that that was going to happen um, because I would have loved to have seen Moxley versus Darby. And I think that Darby could use the win. Darby's like, I know Darby's going to get pushed next year. I know he's going to get pushed next year. However, you have to start like sometime. And this would have been a great, like if he lost in the finals, you have to start. If he lost in the finals, fine. That's okay. But I thought he should have at least gotten that far. But here we are. We have Chris Jericho versus Brian Danielson too, which I don't really know why we're doing this match. I guess because AEW is not, not completely immune to 50, 50 booking. And I think that we're going to get Danielson, winning that we have john moxley versus sammy Guevara tonight as well i think i i can't imagine that moxley's gonna lose that match <laughs> um and i think we're you know i think we're gonna get danielson and moxley uh again for the aew world heavyweight championship and i think danielson takes it what do you think um well i'd like to see danielson take it i think that with everything going on right now um that's your best bet <laughs> i agree He's- He's a solid performer. You can count on him. Yep. The fans like him. Um, Locker room leader. 
And that's wild when when you think about it, because he is a locker room leader, but it's just, I don't know, it's wild. Makes I mean, me look feel who's old. in this tournament. Look who's in this tournament. Jericho, Moxley, and and Danielson. Those three people were literally the people who who, who led the meeting after the brawl. Like those, the talent relations meeting, like those, those are the guys like you got. And, and if you look at it, you've got Jericho history of in, in the business, unlike anyone else still doing it today. You've got Moxley, who is just a workhorse, dedicated, lives, sleeps, eats, breathes, wrestling, literally goes home and makes his wife watch New Japan. <laughs> She's Renee. <laughs> Renee's even said so herself. Um and then you have just this unlimited amount of knowledge and technical prowess in Danielson. You've got like these three amazing figureheads. Of course, you want them to be the leaders in the locker room and, you know, love them or hate them for anything inside or outside of the ring. They all have their purpose and there's not a bad choice in there. I just think Danielson's the one right now because he hasn't had it yet either. So. Yeah, I mean, I I was actually a little shocked. I'm not as obviously after just listening to you. I'm not as big a fan as John Moxley, John Moxley as you are. I like John Moxley, but Danielson, I don't know. He's spunky. I like the guy. Um, I expected this to happen for him a long time ago, but I was wrong. I thought when he came in, they would do something with him. Um, the fans loved him. So it's not too late, though. Just hope the guy takes care of himself. No more crazy stuff. That's not a promise at all. <laughs> no, because um, you know he's not going to at all. <laughs> if, if John, Mon- okay, the, I'm going to lead in by this. I, I don't know if you've seen it or not. Hopefully you haven't. Pro Wrestling Illustrated just released their PWI 500 uh, 32nd annual whatever. Yeah, the 32nd annual Pro Wrestling Illustrated 500. There is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen wrestlers on the front. All of them look like they should. Moxley is bleeding like a stuffed pig at, on his picture. Like that is what he does to himself. <laughs> he he bleeds in every single match and always will. A man doesn't take care of his. I mean, he takes care of himself, but like, you know, he he's a bleeder. What can you say? He's did you see the list? Leader. <laughs> did you see the list? I did see the list. Okay, so what I don't know what surprised you the most, but I will say Jonathan Gresham being number 10 surprised me. Uh and CM Punk being number 3 surprised me. I don't know what their basing what, what their criteria is. So without mm-hmm. knowing that, it's hard for me to to understand Mm-hmm. They'll say, like, when you looked at their ranking criteria, it says something like in-ring achievement, then it was influence, technical ability, and competition. And I was staring at the list, and I was like, okay, I see why, you know, Roman's number one. I see that. But after that, it seemed all over the place for me. <laughs> it really is. And I, I understand that they did this around June they finalized it because you noticed that John Moxley's John Moxley is number 12 and that was right before the injury angle and like the summer of Moxley and all this other stuff like Moxley really did come through for the company and he's still coming through for the company he he 
cancel his vacation for goodness sakes you know like there's there is some real uh shame in him not being in that top 10 at least not even in the top 10 man top five at least top five for moxley especially well, well again you gotta think of their criteria entering achievement influence technical ability competition yeah but this was again before he went on that interim run so all of the stuff that he did that was notable this year didn't count okay so the interim title run and defending it every single week it seemed like week in week out he was wrestling i mean just wrestling 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 he if he wasn't wrestling he was involved in a blackpool combat club angle if it wasn't that it was that you know just so many things and it is what it is. I mean, well, I mean, we'll see. Uh, another list will come out that will include those things, you know, because like you said, it ended in June. So yeah. the next 500 that comes out, you never know. He might be top five. Definitely should be. But I always worry about that because at the end of the at the end of of a list cutoff point and the beginning of the start of the next, people forget. You know, so we'll see. I hope not. Yeah, even though I doubt he cares. <laughs> I think he cares quite a bit, actually. Why? Why? What makes you think that? I just because of how passionate he is about wrestling. I don't. Maybe he doesn't care so much about what PWI ranks him at. That's like giving a crap if Dave Meltzer gives you a five star rating or not. It's, you know, yeah, it's like around the same thing. That's what I was saying. Like it's like the star ratings. Which just means how many false finishes did you have? <laughs> we got, uh, what else is happening tonight? We got Jungle Boy Jack Perry, who issued an open challenge for tonight on Dynamite. As you know, maybe you don't know, Christian Cage is severely injured and will be out at least eight months, which is a damn wait, shame. Wait, I thought Jungle Boy was going against Jay Lethal. Uh, what? <laughs> Where did you hear that at? I I don't know if you heard that or not. I'm playing a video, seeing uh, uh, Jungle Boy right now walk into the arena, and he no, he just says open challenge. So maybe maybe you you heard something I didn't. But right now, it was earlier today. They were saying he opened issued an open challenge, oh, and okay. Jay Lethal accepted. The only it was earlier today, though. The only thing announced for Dynamite today. As of right now, it's Chris Jericho, Brian Danielson, John Moxley, Sam Guevara, Tony Storm, and Athena versus Serena Deeb and Britt Baker. Oh. And that's up to date. Um, it may be. It may be Jay Lethal. But the fact that Christian Cage is out and they never got to finish that story, I'm kind of curious why they didn't do that or why they didn't have – like uh, maybe Cage will still be around soon to start working on that. But obviously Jungle Boy turned heel, so – I mean, not Jungle Boy. Uh, Luchasaurus turned heel. I was like, what? <laughs> so do, you, do you think he answers the open challenge, or do you think they save that one? Yeah, they definitely. Oh, I don't know, because this is AEW. But if I were booking, I definitely wouldn't use that tonight. That would be pretty big. You hold on to that. I'm surprised. That surprised the heck out of me. That was one of the more shocking moments from that very, very, very long pay-per-view. AEW, stop making your pay-per-view so long, for God's sakes. I literally fell asleep before the main event. I was so sad. It's like WWE. Like, man. <laughs> the pay-per-view was six hours long. Seven, if you include the pre-show. Too much. 
hey, if you love wrestling. Oh, shut up. <laughs> oh, man. I'm going to leak some personal information from you now. So you did. <laughs> do that. That's no, me. but um, it's going to be a good card tonight. It'll be it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, we'll see. Oh, come on. Man. <laughs> I don't know. I'm 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 a bit of a pessimist right now because I'm I, I'm tired of I'm tired of hearing the, the 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 whole backstage brawl stuff. I'm tired of all that. I want to see what they do, how they rebring everything back together. Uh, rebring, rebring. Look, I'm tired. I had a long day at work. <laughs> I, I I literally was going 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 and just sat down in front of my computer and kissed my six month old daughter and said, "I love you." But daddy's got to go record a podcast about wrestling. <laughs> so you better share this with your friends. <laughs> you make me a bad father. <laughs> well, let me let me ask you something. Did you hear that um, the kibosh has been put on NXT 2.0? Yeah, I saw that. I saw that. That was pretty cool, actually. Looks like it's going to be white and gold now. The white and gold brand. Yeah. Meh. Let's see what happens. <laughs> yeah. You see Triple H I referred to AEW as a, another talent farm. <laughs> yeah, he was like, Oh, they 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 beat our developmental. I was like, shut up. You know you know, you know, you know what you're doing. Shut up. You know, you know, just as well as I do, that hurts you. <laughs> this is cerebral assassin. Don't forget that. I won't. <laughs> <laughs> No, but I'm interested in seeing where, what he does with that. It'll be, I think it'll be interesting. And I, I wonder how Vince feels. It's like, he's undoing everything. Yeah. <laughs> what do you, what do you, I was what listening do you, uh... to Kevin Nash's podcast, and he's like, if you're around Vince, you're like, man, this guy knows a lot about wrestling. But if it's just him, you realize, ah, maybe he doesn't know that much. <laughs> yeah. He's always had good people around him. So, um, now we're going to, you know, we, we've been saying for a while, we're going to see what changes Triple H makes. And um, everyone's excited to see it. I think that's driving a lot of the news we're seeing now. It can't uh, we'll go to the way it used to be. It can't be black and gold NXT because it can be, but it has to it has to do some different things because toward the end there, it got very stagnant and stale and everything was the exact same. It was like, all right, NXT TakeOver. Oh, and then it was the next one. Yes, NXT TakeOver. All right. And then after a year or two of that, it was like, all right, NXT TakeOver. Okay. Like, <laughs> you know, it was, it got to a point. <laughs> it got to a point where it was just like the same format forever. They need to mix it up. They need to, they need to, I, I, as much as I hate to say it, it needs that perfect blend sports entertainment and wrestling and we don't see very much wrestling anymore we do on aew paper no you don't <laughs> you see on spots. oh what? yeah i mean yeah you get it thrown in there but watch we'll turn tonight we'll turn it on and you'll see a bunch of wild stuff brian which danielson, i mean that's that's the name no, of the game now no you know. sorry brian danielson jericho is going to be a wrestling match john moxley Guevara, Guevara, whatever it's going to be a that's a that's a classic wrestling match that is the hard-hitting bruiser versus the versus the the high flyer the one that that can move around like you know ray mysterio as long versus as nobody brings a chair out 
I don't think it's gonna happen. I hope not. Happen. I get tired of that. Makes me lose interest. But I'm gonna I'm gonna close with something real quick. I'm gonna close with something. It's probably the biggest, probably the biggest question I'll ever ask you, Biggs. Somebody's <laughs> pretty serious. It it is. It is. I hope you're sitting down. Somebody posted this on Reddit, and occasionally I uh I lose my self-respect and I go on Reddit. Uh and it said how many miles did Batista walk inside his pit of danger? <laughs> what? You know, you know, you know his theme song. I walk for miles inside this pit of danger. That's that's, that's the line. So somebody asked, the, "You didn't know that?" No, I. Well, now that you 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 tell me, now I remember, but I don't remember. How many miles did he walk? So, let me let me go down this this rabbit hole of of of, of crap post Dookie. Every time the Batista came in the ring, there was always told that he walked for miles inside the pit of danger. But we never really exactly were told how many miles uh, that he bothered that, that that he walked, and it bothers me. Well, I probably can't get an exact answer. I'm finding it hard to estimate. Uh, so, my favorite answer is the first, is is uh where is it at? oh yeah so <laughs> this guy wrote it says it in the lyrics i walked four miles inside this pit of danger <laughs> <laughs> so then the answer is four and then and then you, you know you know at the end of the the end of the line it goes i walk alone somebody wrote i wore cologne <laughs> hey that's true because i noticed when he ran into him and he said he smelled like he was doused in axe body spray i ran into him i legitimately ran into batista like i ran into his physical persons <laughs> i told you this yeah, i'm sure you did yeah, I was I was in DC. Um, I went I went on a trip with some people to go like teach some Japanese because I knew I know Jap a little Japanese, not a lot, but enough to teach younger kids some Japanese, you know, to, so they can get an idea and a feel for it. I went up to DC to do that, and we went to the mall down there, up there, down there, over there, and uh, I was eating my Chinese food and everything, you know, whatever. And I, tell you, I went to stand up and turn around and go throw the Chinese food away. And I legitimately ran my tray into Batista's chest. And I did the stupid thing. I was just like, you're, you're Batista, aren't you? Like, <laughs> no human being in that era. And this was like evolution Batista, by the way. Uh, no human being looked like that. And it was not Batista. So <laughs> like if you ran into uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, it was it was Batista. That's <laughs> I don't know what that meant. I'm just saying. I know I'm, so many people that have seen him, but though I would hang out down there so often, I never saw him. Nah, he was he, like, I ran into him and I was like, dude, I'm a big fan. Can I get your autograph? And I'll never forget it. It was, it was, it's, it's the weirdest moment of my entire life. Batista leaned down into me. Like, I, I like, he's a pretty tall dude. He's like 6'3, six, 6'4, six, whatever. He leans down into me, gets next to my ear, and whispers, Meet me at the bathroom, and I was like, "Uh oh, <laughs> <laughs> you was you were gonna get to smell a Batista bomb." <laughs> well, well, I always just like I was like, "Yes, I will do this. I will meet you at the bathroom." And then I watched him 
walk alone inside his pit of danger to the bathroom and went up to went up <laughs> That's to the pit of danger <laughs> i went to the all the food court places i was like give me a pen give me a pen give me a pen and then and then the subway guy was just like here i have this pen and i said you will never get this back and i <laughs> and i ran away yeah. <laughs> and then <laughs> you will never get this <laughs> and i just sat there or stood there sorry outside of the bathroom and one person flushed and came out and another person flushed and came out and another person flushed and came out. And I was like, oh, he duped me. He went out the back. I went out the back. He's, <laughs> he's not here. Nah. And then, like, amazingly, I heard a flush. Footstep. Amazing. Footstep. Footstep. Out came Batista. And the first thought I had was, you didn't wash your hands. I'd have let him keep the pen. He did. They're about he, to say, yeah, he, he didn't wash his hands. He, I give him the ballpoint pen, and I'm. By the way, I have a dress shirt on. Underneath it is like an A shirt. So I like, I like unbutton it. Like I'm undressing for Batista in front of a bathroom at this point. For the record, uh, I, I take. Don't I tell take, me he signed your chest. Yes, because <laughs> he puts the pen on my undershirt, my A shirt, and he's like, he said, he said. Let me know if I'm pressing too hard. And <laughs> quite literally, he was. You ever seen the Flintstones when they take a picture and the bird inside the camera uses its beak to 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 like do the picture into the stone? That's what he was doing on my chest with the autograph. <laughs> and I was just like, "It's fine." And he, <laughs> and he, it hurts so bad. My chest was red because he was digging this ballpoint pen into my 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 chest cavity. And then, and then he shook my hand. I was like, I forgot you didn't wash your hands, but he, <laughs> I shook his hand. And when he shook my hand, I want to try to crack my knuckles. It was like, it was like, I don't know if you heard that. Yeah, every, every bone in my hand cracked and he went, Ooh, I said, no, it's okay. It does that. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I said. <laughs> and then he turned around and walked away. And I, I just contemplated every single moment of that interaction <laughs> to this day as a 38 year old that. person. <laughs> I was like 16 when that happened. It's, you know, thinking about that, you realize he's only like three years younger than Steve Austin. <laughs> I don't even know when he was in evolution. Let me let me see. I was I was at least early twenties. I had to have been because Batista's like fifty three or fifty four right now. All right. So he started late, and you just think he's evolution. He's the future of pro wrestling, and he's like the, the age of Steve Austin. When did Batista join Evolution? Oh, January twentieth, two thousand and three. Okay. So he was probably 30. How, do you think so? Like I said, he's only a few years younger than Steve Austin. Hmm. Yeah. So that's it's it's wild to think about it. And they were getting on him. There's oh, he's fragile, he gets hurt all the time. Yeah, he's not young. <laughs> so I was 19, I was about 19 when that when that interaction happened. And it's, it's okay funny it though. That. It's okay. It's funny though, because when I said that, legitimately, when people shake my hand, like my, my every bone in my hand cracks, and people are like, "Ooh!" 
but Batista was Batista shook my hand, but like I felt I felt my soul slipping through my cuticle because that man did not realize how hard he shakes up someone's hand, I guess. And I was, you know, <laughs> I was in the MMA and stuff, but not not like a lot, but like I wasn't like super strong or nothing. But he was, you know, he was as jacked as Batista could have been, you know. I'm with you. I don't know if you watch Game of Thrones. Um, the guy that plays the mountain half, Thor Bjornsson. Yeah. I ran into him at the Arnold Classic, and he was trying not to crush my hand, and he crushed it. Because <laughs> I was, I try, you know, I'm gonna give him a firm handshake. I tried, so I guess he he gave it a little bit back, and I was like, oh, yeah, my fingers are numb. That's a big guy. You gotta throw him off guard. Like in one hand, you need to you need to do a it need to be it needs to be a gift a gifted crossed handshake. You give him a ham sandwich in his undominant hand and then you switch it and you like you like switch it and then you give him a handshake with your other hand. He's so distracted because you just gave him a ham sandwich. He's not going to break your hand. He'll just be kind of awkwardly staring at you and then you walk away and he'll never forget that moment forever. <laughs> I don't know why I I just assumed you were going to say something like throw salt in his eyes Mr. Fuji style. No, you want to wait. Live. Wait, do you know who he that kill is? You. Are you kill that? You. Are you old enough that you know who Mr. Fuji is? Are you insulting me right now? Are you no, like? I'm just. I can't remember when Mr. Fuji. I love people who chop up other people's dogs as pranks and feed it to them. <laughs> he took someone's car apart too. Every piece of it. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. extra. I love that. I love like some people just let the air the, the the air out of your tires. This guy's like, I'm going to literally take your car apart. <laughs> I mean, that stuff was brutal. Nowadays, if you did half of what they did back then, you're going to jail. <laughs> they were just doing crazy stuff. Some of that, some of those things are mean spirited. Was it Marty Janetti that they broke toothpicks off in the locks of his door so he couldn't put the key in? And then just left. <laughs> so he's in a dark parking lot by himself before the cell phone air and he can't get in his car. And they all thought that was funny. Or dosing a guy with Halcyon so much he doesn't know where he is and walks into a hotel lobby naked. That they did um the British Bulldogs did that to Outback Jack. See, I bet you don't remember him, do you? Outback Jack, not so much. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was a long time. He, he, they said like it ruined his career because he was embarrassed. He, he was so. He like, was, he was, awful. he was embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So that's gonna do it for today's podcast. <laughs> Dynamite has just started, guys. Thank you so oh, much for yes, listening. Wow. Just wanted you to know, again, if you want to email us, please do it at doubledqpodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to check out Quit the Build. They're the amazing podcast network that let us do this stupid thing, Biggs. Thank you so much for being on again, as always. I don't know why I said that like you were a guest because you're always here. But <laughs> well, well, thank you, Enzo, and thank you, everyone listening, for coming along on the ride. We are having a good time, as always. Looking forward to Dynamite, and we'll talk to you again soon. I'm having an okay time. A good time is that's generous. Just, just generous. <laughs> it get does your, that. Get your crap together, wrestling. I want to have a better time. <laughs> I still didn't talk about crap.